Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bull Hagen. I'm Barringer. This is Vicker. Welcome to the show. Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Uh, were you talking into your microphone? You lean forward like you are. I'm confused. Which talk- microphone? Yeah, are you using? yeah. So my, I still have, I still have my bad microphone. So I have to kind of lean towards my microphone. Okay. It's not on on a stand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Poor kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so, uh, Vicar, explain who our guest is. Ah, okay. With us today is Pastor Vincent Barringer. Uh, his first call out of seminary, uh, roughly. 10, ten years ago. ago, about ten years ago, he came to a little community in my home state, and it turned out to be uh, my hometown. And then my mother-in-law started saying, "Hey, you should come meet this new pastor at this at our church." And I was not even Lutheran at the time, and wasn't really attending church very well at the time. But I I would go when she invited me because I'm I'm good at responding to guilt. And, <laughs> and Marta's an yeah, expert at that. And my yeah. mother-in-law is pretty good at doing Norwegian. That. Yeah, so so we would visit, and you know. And, Pastor Vincent would, uh, Beringer would stand up at the front of the church and he would say things like, I forgive your sins. And I didn't understand. So I would ask His him. head was exploding. Oh, my head was, yeah. <laughs> that's such a weird thing for a guy like me raised as a more evangelical Pentecostal guy, like to hear somebody say, I forgive your sins. And I, and I, and so I, but every time he gave me an answer, he would show me the answer in the Bible. And I knew enough to know that the Bible was the word of God. And so this is the this is the pastor that was extremely influential on me to becoming Lutheran and and now to go into the office of the holy ministry. All right, now now that's your side of the story. I oh, want to yeah. hear. That. Yeah, I better get a better. <laughs> I want to hear the other side of the story. <laughs> um, so how bad was he when he first? Oh, <laughs> uh, he wasn't bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fortunately, I went to a junior college right next to Azusa Pacific University, which is the touchdown Jesus for the uh, Pentecostal movement right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I knew how to uh, talk uh, talk to the more Pentecostal kind of people. Right. And fortunately and blessedly, the Lord has gifted uh, Patrick with a very logical and coherent mind. And so when I showed him the beauty and the logic of the confessions and how they tied in with the mm-hmm. scriptures so beautifully... He responded. He has an engineer's mind. Right. I always thought it was an odd thing. You were in a pe- Pentecostal church anyway. It's so emotionally driven. Oh, it was very much cognitive dissonance, too. I, I just had two brains for it, one for religion, so to speak, and one for math and science and logic, and, and I thought those two things couldn't be put together. That's the beauty of our German confessions. It's very logical. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's right. Well, uh, welcome to the show, um, and uh, we're very pleased to have you. Really uh, with am. us today, so um, and it's always encouraging because one of the things I, I like to do is we might have some people listening who might might consider even going into the ministry, and so right. So that's what the, the vicar thing does, and having someone like you who who helped him in that process, I, I think. Yes, he really did. Like <laughs> we skipped part of the story, so he also took a call and left me behind in Oregon, went back to California and left me there, and asked me to take over a catechism class, and that was transformative for me to be needing to learn the small catechism soon enough to be able to teach it on Saturday to my student. Yeah, I took a, a you got to understand the context. Oregon is the least religious state in the union. Right. The, the only people you have going to church there are basically people that are in their 80s. There's been three generations of no no church going in that state. 
And this mm-hmm. is, you can look at this barn and we'll tell you this is I'm not just pulling this out of my, the thin air. Patrick will tell you he lived there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew Patrick was very, I'm going to put this, if he read it and it was correlated to scripture, that he would buy into it and he would, he would dig there. And I knew that if he got into the small catechism and he got into the confessions, mm-hmm. That this would grab onto him, so it's kind of a two-term thing. He had nobody else to hand it off to. Right. He was the only one young enough and smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? That, 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 isn't that the easiest thing, though? Like when you're talking about uh, teaching the the catechism and teaching the the Bible, that if they believe that the Bible is the Word of God, it's smooth sailing. Yeah, and that was, <laughs> that made it easy for me because I knew he, even though he was coming from a Pentecostal background, they do hold to the inerrancy of Scripture. Yes, right. You know, right. Yeah, it's a scripture and whatever God's telling you that day. Yeah, (laughs) right. I mean, I spent years thinking, like, man, what a waste of time that all that all of the Pentecostal experience was. And then as I got a little further and got to seminary, I started thinking, well, you know, they did teach me that the Bible is the Word of God, so that's the one silver lining, I suppose, or the positive thing I can say about the Pentecostals. Right. So there. So just like you had dissonance, there was dissonance in that. They believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Right. And yet they get some some parts of it quite wrong, but they do believe it's right. the word of God. Well, they're very synergistic. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're more Roman Catholic than they would like to admit. They really are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair comparison. All right, so uh, actually neither neither you and I are preaching because we have a, we actually have a guest preacher oh, on Sunday. Oh, I forgot Sunday. about that. That's right. We are having uh, Dr. Todd Peppercorn, oh, good. who is uh, the... Placement, the vicarage super at the Fort Wayne Seminary That's coming right. and joining us today. So, yep. so it's it's interesting because usually uh, I've I've only had haven't had the vicarage guy visit very mm. often. It's usually a good sign because normally they come out when there's <laughs> when there's an issue. I'm, like I'm calling them saying, <laughs> right. "Oh, you got to get the supervisor get out of here! Out of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Save me!" <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, you know, I don't want to say where that's the issue, where he, why he's coming out. Figure I don't want to, you know. Oh, yeah, it's a surprise. Like when you get the HR suddenly visits your office. When you get when you're presented with a cardboard box at the beginning of service, you know. <laughs> We're going to accompany you while you clean out your office. <laughs> oh no! But but it is uh, a uh, celebration of New Year's. It's our New Year's. Yeah. Okay. Last Sunday of the church year. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to be back where you're oh, to yes. Arizona to preach? Yeah, yeah I'll be back. And but we're on the uh, three-year lectionary. Just happened to be the tradition at that church when well, I took that call. Well, that's right. fine. Well, yeah. I, I've I've done both. I, yeah. I'm not. Uh, you know, I, the only reason why one reason why I'm on uh, the one year is just because like like all the most of the vicars they would go out and they would do the one year. Right. And uh, you know, I'm, I can learn from them too. Right. <laughs> uh, but what I what I have noticed is I do like I do like the rhythm of it, and I do really like how the readings do a good job of holding together. Yeah. I, I don't have an axe to grind either way. It's generally my uh, preference. I think it's just wise that when you're taking a new call that you don't come in like right. a, oh, yeah. like a you know, bull's rush and change everything because they don't yeah. trust you yet. The right. sheep don't know who you are. And you start saying, no, we got to change this, 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 this. Then all of a sudden you end up with 10 people and everybody else is left. Right. And mm-hmm. I've seen that happen. Trust right. me. Oh, yeah. And we all have. Every pastor has been right. around and seen that happen. You know. Right. But then there are some places you could probably change the the one year, and it would take them a year to notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mine would. Mine wouldn't notice. It would not at switch all. switch. <laughs> <laughs> I can start doing it in Hebrew. Most of these people. 
All right. So, Vicar, what what's going to be our text? Because I'm sure we, there's enough there we can talk about. Because okay. actually, my top twelve is based on our text. Today. Oh, it is. Oh, I most definitely need to cover it. So, to, this will be the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said, "The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise." For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. All right. So, obviously, end of the church year also deals with end times. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, and there's a it's kind of a seamless transition from the end of the church year to the beginning of the church year mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's the same theme. The church year ends with Christ's return. Mm-hmm. And and really, um, the uh, Advent kind of starts that way too, because uh, you know from the Old Testament perspective, his first coming and the second coming is all the same event. Hmm. So, so you you find in uh, and I, one that's when you talk about the three year. That's one thing I noticed, like by that first year, uh, because you know the third to last, because those are the thir- yeah. the second to last. The, like, the last three Sundays are all end times, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Oh, good, now I'm done with that. I'm ready to start Advent." And it was <laughs> right back into it again. Yeah. Right. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> all my bullets are gone in my chamber. You know, after after you read that to me, do that we do work on the three year lectionary, and I don't really check out the first year. No point to right. Uh, I said, boy, boy, I wish that was our reading for this week. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, this is, uh, in this week, we're talking about uh, Jesus' uh, march to the cross of Calvary, the Via de la Rosa, mm-hmm. uh, where he tells, the main point of it is his talking about the uh, the end times, where he tells about the daughters of Jerusalem, don't cry for me, cry for yourself. That's what the focal point is. But unfortunately, this reading has also, the, and I don't say unfortunately, it's beautiful. I mean, it's where how we're saved, but it has the cross scene with the thief on the cross. And unfortunately, I find, especially this time of year, people will get derailed and they're not hearing the part that's really the central point of this, the right. prophecy. They're hearing mm. Thief on the Cross, because everybody, that's everybody's in the top five Bible stories, the oh, Thief right. on the Cross. So I wish I was doing this, because <laughs> it ties more into the uh, end times that we've been right. talking about. Right. Yeah. And and, uh, and and to keep your lamps with oil, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so what do you think that means, Vicar? <laughs> oh, you had to pull that on me because I was reading this and going, man, I'm glad I don't have to know what this means because I'm just reading it. <laughs> I mean, That's not how we work here. Right. You know <laughs> I, well, I'll state the obvious. In some fashion, it means they were unprepared uh, for Christ's return. But as far as the symbolism of the oil, I don't know if there's a, a one-to-one mapping of the oil onto, uh, onto a theological concept, I suppose. 
Okay, I, I would say this. Just like uh, your sermon, right? Okay. We talked about um, uh, uh, forgiveness, right? Right. And and how at the end of it, what does Jesus say at the end of it? Um, so also will your heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. Right. And so the point of the condemnation was, you you might think, well, not forgiving, but right. what brings condemnation ultimately is no... Yeah. Unbelief. Unbelief, no right? Faith. Yeah. Right. And so... Ah, okay. See what yeah, I see where you're going, yeah. Right. So it had to be faith, because that's what causes you to be unknown to God. You're, I do not know you, because you don't have faith. Right. And, and I would say this, too. And so, so uh, realizing that uh, a faith, how are you ready? You're ready? Well, God, you're ready, Christ Jesus, through faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really, that is God making you ready, not... You making yourself ready. God serving you and filling your lamp. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that being said, then um, we do realize that faith is nourished. Oh, yeah. And and uh, and God left gifts for the church. Jesus left gifts for the church. Uh, things like baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, confession, Lord absolution, uh, all those things where, where Jesus <laughs> left them so that they may be filled with, with oil. And so a couple of things that you can say. One is to keep watch. Right. And uh, there's alertness. You know, it's interesting. If, if you really look at what one of the commodities that, that the Bible really, really values that we don't always is time. Hmm. For example, uh, you, in Advent, we'll be hearing of John the Baptist, right? Right. What does John value? Time. Like, repent. The ah, kingdom of God is at hand. There's an urgency to us called to repentance. One of the why does Jesus value children? Because the time with your children is so hmm. so precious. Precious. Um, a lot of the parables have to do with time or timing, right? Whether it's Jesus saying, my, my time has not yet come. Ah, right. Or you look at the Old Testament, uh, the prophets wondering when is the next time going to be? Um and sometimes it, time is commodity, whether it's a short time or whether it's a mm. long time. And when you really think about, of all the things, this is a really a parable about Christ's coming and time. Because yeah. it, it could be today. That's one message. Like, today could be the day. Like, Jesus could come today. Or part of this is it could be a long time, which some of the, the virgins found out. Right. And so... Uh, just because it's a long time in coming doesn't mean that Jesus isn't going to return. And to then, at the same time, it teaches us to value this precious commodity that God has given us in waiting for his return. And and uh, and so that's what my top 12 list is going to be. Okay. Okay. About wh- wh- what does this mean? What are 12 ways that we can think about this time? Okay. And, and prepare for his coming. Okay. Um, and, and obviously, you know, at the heart of all of that is, is, is Christ. He, we're only, only by covering, being covered by his blood and his righteousness are we ever prepared. And you yeah. probably grew up hearing, you know, uh, Christ is coming as a threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary yeah. to believe in. Right. Definitely. Right. You know, uh, well, look busy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, praise loudly. 
Show them you love him. Don't be listening to that music when Jesus comes back. I definitely heard that one. Right. <laughs> right. I've, heard, threat, I've yeah. heard some of the music you listened to. I might agree with that. <laughs> That's maybe fair. <laughs> some of that death metal you like so well. well Christian yeah, death see, metal. Yeah. Oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, we don't we don't need to gang gang up on nineteen point oh. I love Patrick. <laughs> so, going back to that, then is I think understanding that aspect of it, and to make use of the time that God has given us, and and to be uh, fervent in hearing God's word, right, and and, uh, and uh, not taking the time that you have been given in the meantime for granted, and and uh, making use. You know, behind the collar, since we're, you know, we're pastors, mm. right? Uh, I think pastors, this should hit every pastor right across the, mm. the eyes, too, because, okay, I'm, I'm going to look at this pastor here, right? Are there visits that, like, you regret making, some that you need to make that you kind of... Yeah, that's something I work with, with a, a mentor pastor that I still have <laughs> to this day of, like, keeping me accountable, because I'm out in the middle of nowhere where I can do whatever I want, and this guy... Right. Did you go visit these people? They're challenging. Right. You need to go. I mean, right. sometimes as pastors, uh, we too really need this wake-up call and, and value the time that we give because we just assume, oh, you know, there'll be time. Mm. And then, you know, all of a sudden someone dies and yeah. they're like, whoops. Yeah. And yeah. also the fact that, you know, let's face it, nobody's getting out of this room alive and Jesus is coming to your coming to you one way or the other. He may not be coming in his glory in a cloud, but he's mm-hmm. coming to you when you go, when you're going to go see right. him and you need to... I think one of the things about the parable of the virgin, you're probably going to get into this, is that one way or the other, you're going to be seeing him, and you better be prepared. Right. And how you're prepared is by the gifts he gives you during the divine service. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and making full use of those gifts. Yes, exactly. This is a, one of the big things I've been really har- hammering on, and as a pastor, you know this is a big deal, is the sporadic church attendance mm-hmm. right now. What if your life was demanded, demanded even this night, fool? Jesus tells you that harshly, and it's harsh in the Greek. It's not right. even, whoa. I mean, it's like right. condemnatory. You know, Jesus meek and mild, not that statement, pal. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is why pastors, and I know this pastor, I don't know him very well, just met him today, but I guarantee you he's concerned about sporadic church attendance, and all of mm-hmm. us are. Right. Yes. And the pandemic has made that worse. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, any other comments before I get to my top 12 list? All right. No, I think I'm... Oh, wait, okay, yeah, I do have one. Is there significance to the fact that all 10 of them fell asleep? The, the five wise ones and the five foolish virgins were asleep. It was late. <laughs> right. Because they were drowsy, <laughs> and that's, that's what it says. They all became drowsy and slept. Okay, I just... Maybe you're going to get to it in the top 10? Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I, I didn't give that top much yeah. thought to that. To this, this top 12 list is more about considering what it means your lamps oil and, and what we can okay but uh as far as asleep you know i don't i i'm not sure yeah me neither you have any ideas i also think this is one of those cases where he's just showing something what would happen in real life that it was a much earlier world in those days anybody staying up in that late would be get tired and go to sleep right okay. you know and there's nothing wrong with going to sleep you know you can still be prepared and go to sleep right yeah. Oh, okay yeah right i mean if they were to just Stay watching. I mean, if without getting sleep, I mean, you could be asleep and ready, I okay. suppose. Yeah. All right. So maybe it doesn't have anything to do with backsliding, for example. Right. Oh, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't go there. Okay. All right. So um, 
So my top 12 list is, with this in mind, um, I wanted to have a top 12 where we're, what are some things that you consider from this text about your lamps, oil, how it's done? Now, it's, it's a delicate walk, right? Mm. Because I don't want it to be any kind of works righteousness. No. But you have to remember in this top 12 list that uh, this is, in a sense, um, taking the gifts that God has given us and, and actually considering them, making use oh. of them, and making use of the time that God has given you. So you're not not an attempt of saving yourself because Christ right. is still the work behind all of this. Yeah. But uh, using the gifts that He has given you, not bearing those talents, right, right, yeah, and 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 how we can uh, be prepared and not and and the, here's the thing, is uh, part of this top twelve list is we might think of this as an individual basis. I don't view this just as an individual basis. Okay. Right. So, for example, a parent. This teaches you to make sure your children are prepared. Uh, it, it means also that to make sure your church, that your service in the church, that that for future generations, the word of God will be heard. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, so there, there's there's that aspect of it too, because at the heart, of one of the things that we learn as Christians and, and from the Bible is is uh, um, that just as much as our concern for our own salvation is a concern for for others. Um, I think that's a really good point. I think a lot of people get caught up into me and Jesus. It's just about me and Jesus. It's my walk with Jesus. And the next step is right. I can be with Jesus out duck hunting. Right. And I don't right. need to go to church. And then, you know. Right. In fact, he walks with me and talks with me out in the garden. In the, the garden, time. yeah. Who's he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that that's also an important aspect, which, I mean, look at Jesus' own life. He did, his life was for the salvation of others. Right, especially world. if you're secure in what in being covered in Christ's blood yourself, there's only one other direction to look. Mm-hmm. Outward yeah. cross goes this way too. Right, <laughs> right, and you know, just like you know, that's why people are so offended when you say, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't take communion." Yeah. Well, how could you make the statement about my personal? <laughs> yeah, right. Your personal, yeah. right. Well, that communion actually says something about those you commune with as yeah, well. It's community, yeah. That's <laughs> right. It's kind of in the word. <laughs> so, all right. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right, so, uh, so, so what should the title? These are Top 12 Things to Consider About Your Lamps with Oil, Making okay. Use of the Time, Preparing. Watching top twelve time factors. Uh, I, I almost <laughs> I almost named it based on the the parable of the top twelve ways to be a good virgin. But that's yeah, just, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think that was Going a good well. idea. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Peter, take that out. <laughs> Number twelve. Uh, make amends with others. Right. Remember we talked about, because, you, you know, your parable that you preached on last... I do. You know, we tend to, to think that, oh, there's always time. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if there is, if Jesus comes back today... Mm-hmm. Could happen. No more time. Hopefully. Right, right. That uh, to, to go out of your way to, to, with urgency, you know, right. make amends with others. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really know. good point. If you know someone that needs your forgiveness, for example, which I just preached on Sunday, then there's no better time than the present 
to make sure that that gets put right. Number 11. Don't expect things to change on their own. I saw a look that you guys had. <laughs> well, I, I, I knew that the guest would have no idea about this convention of me echoing the numbers, and, but he probably caught on already oh, since yeah. we've done it twice. <laughs> Which <laughs> is really funny because I cut it out every time. Oh, do you cut it out? <laughs> you cut it out? I, I've been told to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Lutheran Church in a nutshell. We just do it because we do it. <laughs> we'll cut it out later. <laughs> that's good. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've always done it. <laughs> All right. Number 11. Number 11. <laughs> Number 11. Number 11. Don't expect things to change on their own. Right. Yeah. I think we do that. We think time... Remember we talked about time and commodity, you know, mm-hmm. we think, oh, time will always heal. Right. Yeah. And, and there are times where we use that as an excuse. Yeah. You know, because you don't know time. Right. And but, that's where I, th- I mentioned, too, as pastors, it's something, if you're a pastor listening, we do have some pastors listen to this, mm. is, to, is to be mindful of that, you know, in, in your work. Because if we believe that our work is essential, that the word of God does what it does, Right. Um, you know, it's it's important for us to hear too. Yeah. Number ten. Make use of the time that God has given you because it's a gift. Yeah. The time that God gives you is a gift, just as the Christ return is a gift. Right on. So uh, remember that 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 the precious commodity that God gives you in this time. It's really easy as a pastor, and I catch myself at it, and that's why focused is to start burning time you know start especially during common time mm-hmm. it's like oh i got all summer to do this mm-hmm. you know and it's like oh wait a minute heaven's here ah! <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <Then you're theme>. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> number nine teach your children like there is no tomorrow hmm yeah Excellent. Um, I, we were talking about that uh pastor vincent and i Beringer and i were talking about um the urgency of like the small catechism because the Turks were coming to invade Germany and uh, the Holy Roman Empire. And soon enough, those children were only going to potentially have what they had learned uh, and memorized and they would have no access to church or a Bible because they would be uh, oppressed by the Turkish overlords. I mean, that was, they were, that was a real threat. That was a threat. Yeah. 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 Number eight. Don't let uh, the old Adam rest and get comfortable. Be attentive in addressing sinful patterns and priorities. Ah, so it's almost, well, it's an interesting point. So we need to use our time to do the right things, but at the same time, uh, don't get... And, and there's a reason why I, I, I use the old Adam here. Okay. Because remember how I talked about earlier that uh, how you're not saving yourself. This is using the gifts that God has given you. Baptism. And and so how is the old Adam addressed? It is addressed through baptism. Yeah. Right? And so if you're do if you're considering your baptism and you're considering the old Adam, inherent is that is not allowing that old Adam to get comfortable. You're drowning him. You don't get comfortable when you're drowning. Right. <laughs> right. Point. And, and 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 that drowning isn't just like, okay, poof, my yeah. sinful desire is gone. Not until you go to your no, it means that the power mm-hmm. of it is gone through the forgiveness of your sins, 
But part of that drowning of old Adam is to consider what what does that old Adam look like, mm-hmm. and what needs to be drowned, and uh, and not allowing because if you go back to the parable, right, right, and not allowing whatever kind of drowsiness or things that will rob your lamp of oil, right, stealing the faith, which sin has the desire to do, and sinful temptations and sinful patterns and sinful priorities, right. right. You could say that uh, the, the the virgins without oil they had different priorities. priorities. Yep. That uh, they, they they weren't ready. So because because this goes back to then the, the time commodity and all those things. What do we do? We say, well, there's going to be plenty of time for me to hmm. preach that hard doctrine, preach that law if you have to. Right. Yeah. Right. Or to say, okay, if if there is a, a sin that you've allowed to grow. Right. Without addressing, we always say it's a lot easier. Oh, I can. There's there's plenty of time to deal with this, right? Without actually just pushing that that's that stone down the road, down the road, down the road. But but by me saying that is that that is I'm I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. But the power behind this and everything that's done is baptism. You're addressing mm-hmm. it with baptism. You're addressing it with the promise of Christ, right? And and because that is such a a beautiful and powerful thing that uh, you want to make every use of that. And you don't want uh, the old Adam finding a nice, comfortable home that seeks to steal your oil, that seeks to steal your faith in Christ. Right. The, the easiest thing to do in the world is nothing and, and go on autopilot and just have this day be kind of like yesterday. You know, that's easy. And the harder thing to do is to confront matters make changes. I think earlier on one of your points was the make the changes that you got to make. Right. I mean, the, how is this different than what John the Baptist was preaching? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's the same. Right. The kingdom of God is at hand. Man. What should you do? Repent. Yeah. Right. Today so. is the day of salvation. Yeah. Not tomorrow. Right. Right. Number seven. Uh, this is something I always throw in in various ways is uh, simply talk to your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> what do I, what do I mean by that? It was, it's, it's good. To check in, visit with them. It's good to uh, uh, invite them in your home. Uh, everybody remembers the last time the pastor was at their house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Vicar. If you want to be popular, visit your flock in their home. Okay. You can give the worst sermon ever, as long as it's not heretical. Because I'll go slap you if you is. Uh, but you can be able to not give good sermons, not do great Bible studies. But if you visitate, visit people in their home, you'll be beloved. So. And and so and also then, part of that then is, um, I, th- I guess I could be more specific with that too. Is is uh, when you talk about today might be the day, like it could Jesus can return any time. Right. Think of what a blessing, for example, in that setting, confession, absolution, mm-hmm. private confession, absolution, can be. Right. You know, uh, of. Uh, of remembering and, and, and being at peace with the Lord, not letting that old Adam, like we just said earlier, rob you of that peace and that hope uh, of hearing from the voice of Christ himself, your sins are forgiven. Um, uh, I mean, that being ready for Jesus' return, I mean, talking to your pastor and also receiving this gift um, is, a, is a wonderful way to, to always bear this in mind. Right, to be prepared. Number six. Make use and take to heart Everything you hear from God's word, whether it's in Bible study, on Sunday morning, uh, when you pray, uh, you know, 
we've talked about this at one point. You know, I think I did the math uh, that uh, uh, at least this was this way for for years. We had a lot of funerals where mm-hmm. like every three sermons was someone's last sermon that they were going to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right, right. And that could be, you know, to think about uh, one of your sermons, whether it's on the radio or from our members, it'll happen a few times while you're here. It'll be the last sermon someone hears. Will be one of your sermons this year. Wow. Yeah. So how does that affect what you preach? You know, it can give it some urgency and make it more personal too to think about it that way. And, and then the other side is too, you know, the sermon that's you hear could be the last sermon you hear. Yeah. So so how does that affect how you listen to the sermon, how you take it to heart? Now this behind the collar, this isn't good to talk to pastors because pastors are the worst listeners of sermons that you can have. <laughs> yeah, we just have to pick each other apart. Are they right. <laughs> I would have said it this way. Right. <laughs> right. To be fair, that's kind of my job with this guy. Well, right? yeah, yeah. You, you get paid to do this with him. <laughs> I don't really think he gets paid. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you just get the pleasure of that's right. him. <laughs> telling people what to do. <laughs> but but that so that being said is you know if if. If if Sunday, if you go uh, Sunday morning is your last time in God's house, like how would you listen? How would you mm. pray? How would you take the collect to heart, the prayers to heart? How much of a prize would it be to when you go in that house to to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, you would hang on every word. You would listen so carefully to every word if you could keep that attitude that this is the last day, or could be. Right. And, and you'd really hear the gospel. Mm, right. Yeah. Really hear it. Not just, oh, I heard it, but hear it. Number five. You know, it runs on the same same line, but simply watch and pray, because mm. today could be the day. Right. And pray is such a good instruction for us. Uh, seems like that's an easy habit to never develop or to fall out of mm-hmm. is to be in constant prayer. And, and and to also to consider, um, I think this is one of the things I always tell men, particularly because men, they worry about that. Like if I, what can, what if I don't have the right words? Right. Like there's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's prayer. You yeah. Know? yeah. That's why I gave it to you. Right. Or the yeah. Psalms or any yeah. of those. Uh, prayers, uh, free form prayer is one of the hardest things to do because your mind starts Wandering. This is why we have the prayers given down the treasury of prayers. That, mm-hmm. You know, when you don't have the words or your mind is wandering, so you can focus on yeah. the actual prayer. And there's no shame in that. I, I think our evangelical brothers have made it into, unless you're going, Father God, I just like to, Father God, just like right. to, you know. Right. Yeah, Cause, it, cause you're not it, really it's, praying. It's, it's yeah. more performative. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, you know. I sound way more sincere when I we just all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and Father God, like he doesn't know his name. You, know, right. you, you mentioned 62 times during a prayer. <laughs> right. And, and the fact that right. the, even be mindful of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is kind of like a lectionary in that you have the lectionary because uh, there are things that you will have to preach on that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of preaching on. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and the, and uh, the Lord's Prayer does that too. It, it keeps your prayer focused and remind there's so much depth in there that mm-hmm. you are mindful of praying for the things which God says this is covering up your blind spots that we might have. Right. And, uh, you know, part of that is thy kingdom come, which deals directly with what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on its way and it's here. We wait our king, but we're in the kingdom. Number four. I kind of struggle with the wording of this, you know. Mm, okay. Because uh, I wanted to talk about, you know, not being 
drowsy or unaware, right? Okay. And I, I thought about talking about maybe being woke, but that changed. That's <laughs> been taken from us. It's like being gay. Can't do that no more. <laughs> At least not the LCMS. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can. He, fits, oh, he fits right in, doesn't he, Peter? <laughs> yeah, it does seem that way. Right <laughs> um, but th- th- what I mean by that is, is like awake and alert, being aware, be aware of the threats that you either face as an individual, that your family faces, that the church faces, that your community faces, and. Uh, and not to be drowsy and just saying, oh, this is just a fad or a thing. I mean, these are direct challenges uh, with all sorts of things that are facing. Uh, and I think we, you know, we could name the list, but it would go right. on and on and on. You have in mind like culture war type? Culture war type yeah. stuff. Um, uh, threats to the to the faith. Um, there's just so many out there, but you, you kind of have to be alert and... Uh, be aware, you know, keep your head on the swivel, right? Yeah. yeah. I had, you know, I've been thinking quite a, this, this quite a bit lately about, I was telling Patrick this, about niceness. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're afraid to confront what's going on in the world that directly contradicts the Word of God because we're afraid of not being nice. Right. And so right. I think that we shy away and don't use the time that we have necessary and we don't go and confront Right. I, I'm trying to put this in the right way. Uh, for instance, how can I put this? I put it really well. You have someone that's in high-handed sin, and just you know it. There's no. This is not a rumor. You've Matthewed 18. You've done anything, and then they still not coming to repentance, but they're coming to you in the Lord's Supper. We sometimes get so caught up. We want to be nice, church, that we just give mm. in. Hmm. And we don't confront that sin. Likewise, in society, we're so caught up with that we being nice. I don't remember Jesus really being nice. He's a lot of things. It's not nice. I mean, nice is not his paramount right. attribute. Right. I would. Yeah. Say, I would say. I, I the way the way I w- would word it is Jesus was compassionate. And the right. difference is, is when someone is stuck in sin, he was had compassion on them when they were sick he had compassion so he felt it in himself Literally, yeah. which right. then caused him to speak and to respond um i think we we uh, are uh, so diligent um that we want to speak the truth and love at the same time right and we don't want the god's word to be closed off from their ears but at the same time um if they're not hearing god's word anyways what well, I- to go back to your point about the time aspect of it, I think what we do as pastors is oftentimes we just like this is hard. We'll get we'll get to this next time. We'll get to this next week. Right. Kind of mm-hmm. mini- what I call in Southern California, we call it manana in it. Tomorrow, tomorrow, the next day, we'll get to that because we don't want to be not nice because then people won't like us and they won't come to church and they won't give and then we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot, you know, in Christendom, not just mm-hmm. our specific denomination, the desire yeah. to put off saying the harsh truths that sometimes have to be said. That you know what? If you really care about this person, you're afraid they're gonna that they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They've not repented, and you're not gonna say anything to them because of social awkwardness. Because you want to be perceived as nice. Well, you actually hate their guts because you're now condemning them to hell because you didn't tell them that. And I really think, and and as pastors, and I know I've fallen into it, and I don't know if you have, but I have. It's unpleasant. I want to be nice. I want to be liked, so I put it right. off tomorrow, tomorrow, and I, that's where I'm going. Right. You know. Right. So, for example, when when Patrick went to the seminary. 
he he wanted he became the seminary because he wanted to to go and speak Christ's forgiveness to mm-hmm. people, right? Exactly. You don't go to the seminary so that you can speak words of judgment exactly. to people. <laughs> you don't go to seminary so you can say you shouldn't take communion. No. I mean, we'd have to do it, but that's, right. that's not, wasn't our motivation necessarily. Mm. But that comes back to the context of, can you know the sweetness of the gospel unless you first taste the bitterness of the law? Right. And some people in this society, especially in our culture today, I'm on the West Coast, so I see it a lot more than you do probably here, uh, people who have had no law in their lives. We've all been upraised in a Christian nation where right. the law was, tr- was trained and taught to us in the schools. Even if you went to public school, you got law, the golden rule at least, and things right. like that. Yeah. That's not happening nowadays. So you, yes, there's an inherent law written on every man's heart that people do feel guilt and shame over, but that overt shame isn't there that was once there. Right. Because it's not taught. And then, so what they're doing is they're finding a different shame, a different law. Exactly. Right. A moving target. Exactly. And, and so, you know, you talk about all those things. I mean, you don't like to. Yeah. You know. There, there is, a, there is a law out there of cancellation of. Yeah. That that's. Well, they make their own super, law. Yeah, yeah. Which. And they made their own god, government. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. Number three. Keep the lamps burning at your local congregation, at your church. Mm-hmm. What do you think I mean by that? Uh, I mean, it sounds like work long hours, but as a vicar, that's probably how I take most yeah. of these. <laughs> I didn't see you out snubbly, shoveling snow in this parking lot. <laughs> I did. Right. <laughs> um, what do I mean by that? Now, this is this is both pastor and people. This is to the listener, right? Mm-hmm. Is is uh, is there also a certain urgency in your congregation and to to realize that uh, what you do, uh, because this parable is not only that it could be today, this parable is also, it could be a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so what you're doing in your service in the congregation, whether it's an elder or a treasurer or a trustee or a Sunday school teacher, whatever it is, um, that uh, there is this aspect of keeping the lamps burning for future generations right. and and to to realize that uh um there is not only is this a individual keeping your personal right but this is uh, uh this is a kingdom of heaven that's how jesus right. introduces the kingdom of heaven is like and so um so i think there is then that creates that urgency of, of how you're helping how you're giving all those things for the sake of of the congregation of keeping those lamps burning there in that place, mm-hmm. in that community, uh, for as long as you can. Yeah, and to make sure that the the faith that we received is what we hand down, right. and we preserve it, and we don't innovate or or water it down or try to be trendy, because we want this to be. If Christ isn't coming back for five hundred years or five thousand years. We want the faith in the church to continue by passing mm-hmm. along exactly what we receive. Right. This the, the same because the word of God endures, endures, endures forever. forever. Yeah. Well, Patrick, yeah, that's, that's very good. I'm glad you got that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It did teach you something there. <laughs> yeah, well, it took a while. <laughs> Number two, don't go to sleep without resting in Christ. And this is how I was thinking about it, right? Okay. Right. You ever heard the marriage advice? Where, like, when you go to bed, don't go to bed mad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? That's scriptural, by the way. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> right. So, so my, 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 my thinking of the, on this is, is because this is your, could be your last day of, 
of resting in Christ too, of, of, for example, remembering as even before you go to bed, everything is safe in Christ, right. and actually being mindful of that. Like, right. Like uh, I think that goes back to the baptism thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I like what you're saying because when everything's going really well and there's peace. It's difficult, in a way, to remember to stop and notice that everything's fine, everything's nice or, or good or peaceful, and then be thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Instead, we just sort of want to autopilot through those good times. Right. And then also, too, is, is uh, you know, there are times where we struggle with God's Word. We struggle with what He says. We struggle with where we might be at a specific time in, in our life. I mean, you read the Psalms, they're mm-hmm. always questioning, right? Right. Mm-hmm. All those things. Where are you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if, you, if you're making a mindful note... You know, who I am in Jesus, what God promised, I'm going to sleep knowing I rest in his grace and mercy. Right. That uh, That is, um, you know, here I am with an ADHD person talking about mindfulness and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I see you, Pete. I see you smirking. <laughs> um, it's easy to forget that uh, the peace that Christ brings when the world around you is peaceful. Sometimes it's easier to realize Christ's mm-hmm. peace when the world is going haywire around you. It's kind of oxymoronic in a, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. wor- the worse things get around me, the more I cherish and hold on to the peace that Christ has given me. Right. And I think you appreciate it more and you right. see it more. Uh, and so, so my idea, my thought behind this is just, just like you would give advice to someone, you know, like a married couple or to anybody really. Don't go to, go, go to sleep when you're angry or upset with someone. Right. Is to... to uh, Consider that with, with whatever thoughts and struggles you might be have, and yeah, and to know that the Lord is your shepherd, and to to not not go upset, angry, or upset her. Yeah, and we're not saying to stay awake for seventy two hours straight either. By the way, when we no. say don't go to sleep. No, you, you see my point. How how my point though behind like this one even too is is. Uh, we're not preaching any kind of works righteousness here. We are mm-hmm. talking about using the gifts right. that God, making full use of those gifts. Right. No, we're, we presuppose that you are saved and that these things we're talking about are not going to save you, but we'll make wise use of your oil. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't presuppose people understand their salvation. Okay. I don't. That's why we have to proclaim every Sunday. That's why, as I was telling you earlier, if you don't tell them that Christ crucified for you, you didn't preach. You gave a nice learned sermon on some right. interesting topic. Well, but that, that's yeah. one of the, I would say, one of the biggest differences between the Lutheran church and other churches, to his point, not that we're not saying that you meant that. I know. Okay. I'm just yeah, right. I'm busting your chops. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I see the concern on your face. I wasn't really saying that. I'm not a hurt. But I would say this I, I would say you might even see this in, in other churches before where salvation was just kind of a given or mm-hmm. where, okay, okay, we know Jesus died for our sins. Okay, now we need to go to the real heart of the matter. What kind of gifts do I get? <laughs> right. <laughs> or or uh, just kind of some kind of law. Always right. law. You know, um, where, okay, now let's get to the real practical stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Don't play video games. <laughs> don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't date girls that do. <laughs> Word of men of Biola, my alma mater, undergrad alma mater. <laughs> it's all law, but they love people. We love law. Oh, right. Right. loves law. I was yeah. telling Patrick, I said, no, don't kid yourself. You love law. I love law. <laughs> right. 
best sermon you're ever going to give is when you're law heavy. Everybody loves you. Oh, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. Right? You preach Christ <laughs> crucified? Yeah, I've heard that a billion times, but yeah, you need to hear it. Uh, like, <laughs> how many times have I told you, Vicar, when you're looking at preaching a text, you don't start with how, because we always, yeah. like, how do I preach the law right. and then apply the gospel from this text? Right. How yeah. do I preach Where's the gospel? a gospel and how can I... How is a law applied so that I can get to that point in the gospel? Mm-hmm. How is your law your gospel connection point? Right. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And number one. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, confession, absolution, fellowship with, 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 uh, with your brothers and sisters in Christ and gathering together using these gifts that God has given you. That's number one. Got it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then I do have I do have a few honorable mentions that didn't make the list. Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, these are more just general practical stuff. Pick your battles. Oh yeah, I think that's an important lesson for seminarians before they get. There's into always the a hill. Pick your hill to die on. Really, mm-hmm. he's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like so, if Jesus comes tomorrow, think of all the things that we we petty argue about. Right. Yeah. Um, also, can I, can I add into that? I was at a church where I knew a pastor who spent all his clout arguing over the color of the trash cans at the school. No way. And he alienated so over something. Who cares? You can be sharp. Right. But seriously, we get caught, our ego gets caught up and we can do that. Right. Really good point. Right. Right. Uh, also, uh, realize that it could still be a long time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the point of the thing, right? Yeah, because if you don't know the day or the hour, uh, then the point is it could be either way. Like you said earlier, so I'm only repeating it, but it, it didn't say the it's coming real soon, real soon. No, it says you don't know the day or the hour. And keep in mind, like I said earlier, that your time is coming one way or the other. That's of right. saying Jesus. Right. You right. Know, he's coming to you one way or the other sooner or later. Right. Uh, the other, other honorable mentions, rejoice because the bridegroom is coming. Yeah. You, you, get this, you get this from the prophets. Like when the prophets talk about the Christ coming. It's as real to them as though it is already happening now and today. So right. excited. So it's it's a, even though it hasn't happened yet, for them, for the prophets, it was a present day reality that they held to. Hmm. Even because God said so, it's going to happen. This is now my reality. The Christ is yeah. coming, and that's also then how you look to to. Jesus promised it, it is a reality. I'm going to rejoice in that. That's my reality. Jesus said it was going to happen. So. For me, it's as real as it is today. Hmm. Right. Um, and then the uh, last one is realize that each day is a gift and an opportunity. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good, but it just sounds like the kind of stuff I got from city government. <laughs> <laughs> right. Treat every Synergy. challenge as an opportunity. Safety you know? <laughs> is our number one priority. <laughs> We've got three well, whole days without death. I'm on the West Coast, so <laughs> diversity was the number one priority. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and don't right. smoke cigarettes, smoke dope. <laughs> Signs in your right. gene organ. <laughs> this guy is giving you gold, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> this is my day out, okay, Peter? <laughs> Don't tell President Gibson. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to grab some uh, questions from the LCMS subreddit. Is that what the kids call it? I don't That's know. That's exactly right. Uh, but uh, we need an intro, so... Peter, play the intro. Confound the clerics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. All right, so, Peter, what kind of question do you have us for us? 
yeah, uh, we we looked around on the subreddit a little bit, and uh, you guys said you liked this one. So uh, this is, uh, and it's are suicidal thoughts sinful? I have depression and constantly have suicidal thoughts and low self worth. Should I be repentful of this? All right, Vicar. Okay, so right. I like this question because because this is. I like the kind of questions where I can imagine someone sitting, you know, the the talk to your pastor, right? This could co- easily come from someone who listened to our top 12 list, right? And thought of an issue and they thought to themselves, I need to talk to hmm. my pastor mm-hmm. on this. Right. Right? So someone comes and sits and says, are sinful thoughts, yep. suicidal. suicidal thoughts, sinful? And now, now you could answer the short way, which is simply, well, yes. Yes. <laughs> we send in thought, word, and deed there by what go. we have done and what we have done. But, but you wouldn't want to be flippant if the no. poor fellow that no. had a question like this and was screwed up the courage, so to speak, to come ask it. Right. Okay, here's, the th- here, here's a couple things I, I would point out, okay? Um, f- first of all, I think the, your answer would depend upon if you are in a setting where you're just talking about doctrine, that would be, yes, it is sinful. This is why, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If you have someone sitting there talking to you, like a, someone in your, you care about a, a, a lamb of God that you're struggling with this, you wouldn't just give a short answer. You would no. tease it out, right? right? So you'd, you would have to ask, well, well what is it, Right. And so this comes from someone who says, uh, I have depression and constantly have suicidal thoughts. Okay. Now, you got to be careful on that, though, because you start talking, which my natural inclination is to say, yes, it's in but God's great. Christ's blood covers all sin. Don't worry. Right. But then that might give them the, oh, well, I'm covered by the blood of Christ, and then take that final step and actually right. do it. Right. You know, because you don't want to encourage. You know, you want to give them the gospel. That's the first thing you want to do. Here, here's the gospel. Right. And you want to, and I think you should, but can't you, you would have problems, I would think, with them actually going through with it now. Right. Mm. So, 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 so when you're dealing with, with someone in, in this situation, uh, because this is coming from not someone who is saying, well, it's just, I need to know is it right or wrong. Right. It's, I have depression. Now, I, one thing that we can have a tendency to do is we can say, well, it's an if you're talking depression, it's an illness and it's not sinful. Okay, that's you, the problem with that is, is I mean you're splitting hairs actually because there's sin, and there's the result of sin, right? And the sinful fallen condition, mm-hmm. and right. so, um, if if they are asking, is it sinful, um, uh. You need to first of all have them in a place where they're hearing God's word, and that being their truth over and above their feeling and their emotion. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would do, and someone in that situation, I was at, I would ask them to take a step outside yourself, okay? And this is what your emotions are telling you. This is what God's word says, okay? And so, um, you would say one thing you would you, I would do is depending upon how well I know them and know their situation and know 
what kind of support system, all these variables would come into play, right? Hmm. But you uh, want to remind them that the that those sinful th- it is sin, mm-hmm. and that those sinful thoughts are actually trying to drive you a, a cleave. It's trying to hurt you, and it's trying to hurt others. The problem isn't is is uh, is the fact that those thoughts are sin, and they are dark, and they are hurtful. But that's you draw. But those thoughts aren't what's true. Hmm. Your th- those your true thought is, and and I, I guess also I would make sure um, immediately that they're not going to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You might have to call the authorities. Unfortunately. Right. If you discern that you think they really are going to mm-hmm. hurt themselves, I mean, you have an right. obligation to call the authorities. As pastors, I mean, that's just part of the deal. Right. And, and so, um, and so you kind of want to tread lightly in that because you don't want them to drive into further despair that they are right. have sinful thoughts, you know. Right. Um, but then you also say there is a difference between, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess you would, and along that line, for if you're talking from a theological point of view, you would talk about concupiscence. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the word that came to mind. Right. Why would that come to mind, Vicar? Because that's the, the, the fact that we want to sin, mm-hmm. our want-tos are broken, and so part of our sinful nature is that we want to sin, and so a suicidal thought or even a lustful thought is the same right. source. Our, mm-hmm. our want-to is broken by the fall, and those things are still sinful, and we still need forgiveness for those. Right. And the other thing I would say, if it's if it comes from, um, I think what we, we tend to do often in a situation like this as pastors, as log- and, and as logical people who aren't st- struggling with depression, mm-hmm. like suicidal depression, is then to say, to try and and deal logically with someone who's not in yes. a place to deal logically. Yeah. They're coming with, from a place of emotion, not logic. Right, and so yeah. you can't necessarily necessarily out logic them because okay. because by saying it is a sin, you uh, you you know that they don't want to think that way any more than you know they don't want to have those thoughts either. Interesting. It's like we've said both. I said uh, their want to is broken, so they so you know right the things they want to do are sinful, and now you're saying they don't want to have those thoughts though. So that's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, right, right. But, but kind of like we, we talked about that with forgiveness, where if someone wants to forgive, they can't get the thought of what someone did to them out of their head. Right. It's kind of like that. Yeah, or St. Paul saying that the thing he wants to do, he doesn't, and what he doesn't uh, what he doesn't want to do, he does. I mean, so he struggled mightily also uh, with knowing what he should be doing and, and wanting to do something else and so forth and, and losing that fight sometimes. Right, so you got to f- find a way to communicate that in a way that they would understand. And that may not always be possible. Yeah. Mm. You get to uh, profoundly depressed, and I've had a few. It's like, I mean, there's no logicing. There's no, even rational, uh, being rational through uh, scripture and showing them. It's just, they have this enormous feeling of pain. And it's just hard, really hard. Something. This is where you need to get on your knees, go to the Lord and ask him for intervention. And, and get invert and yeah, like get intervention. Get, get professional. To, like if, if someone yeah. is in, it depends on like whether they. It's like I'm struggling with this sometimes, and you can mm. talk with them. 
if if they're coming to you in the middle of that kind of a moment, you get them to the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Get them to the hospital. Sometimes I need a, um, a drug intervention. It's for the brain. They're that far gone. You know, serotonin reuptakes, askew. Hmm. Right. But that that's that's out of Bailiwick. Right. Right. And 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 by the way, you know, it is something that we deal with, by the way. You, you will get this. You will get this. Yeah, because you know, we don't take mental health seriously in this country. And so it, most of the people, if they're not upper middle class, have no psychological help through their uh, insurance programs. So who do they go to? They go to the pastor. And well, we had pastoral counseling, most of us. Fortunately, I had an undergraduate, and I almost got my graduate degree in counseling, so I know enough to know what I don't know with mm, a lot of these right. people. Right. And uh, but you're going to run into them, Vicar. I guarantee you. I I don't care where you end up. Right. You are going to run into people with this kind of. And I know, mm. especially, especially in probably ten to fifteen years, when the kids of the pandemic mm-hmm. are older, we I don't when we realize the toll. Uh, that, that so this will be a, a, an even greater, hmm. especially when um, we live in a society that uh, who that uh, doesn't value life, where depression. Because if you focus on the illness when you're talking with them, we live in a society now where where um, death with dignity is such a profound idea, especially hmm. where where you were from, yeah. right? Where um, where suicide is, is actually friend. a legitimate solution. Right. Yeah, death is taught as your friend in a lot of these places. Right. You know, so as an enemy that Christ uh, conquered, now we're, the society is promoting the death cult. Right. You know, and I, I'd add something else. I'm seeing it now among younger people, uh, probably in your son's age group. He looks about the same as my son. A lot of anxiety, and not so much from the COVID, but something you wouldn't even remember, or you would remember, but it wouldn't dawn on you was the Great Recession, 2008, 2012. These, guys, these people were young people, but old enough to know what's going on. Their family loses their house. Their family loses everything. There's wars, rumors of wars going on. Then we wonder why 15 years later, they're all addicted to Xanax because of their anxiety. Well, they went through a pretty hard time during that time. And most of them without the benefit, even back then, even 15 years ago, of a church family just giving them support. They were doing it by themselves with their family. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I, I think that mental health is going to be the issue continuing through the future for all these reasons. And, and so, uh, you know, I'd like to, the short answer to this question is, is yes. Right. Right. But, but, uh, but, uh, it's also different if you're having someone sitting with you and, uh, or calling you, Mm. you know, right. The response would maybe short if you were sitting in a seminary class discussing whether or not suicidal thoughts were sinful. Right. Right. But longer in a lot of other contexts. Yeah. And then sometimes you're going to find when you're in the uh, a pastor, if you get there. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah, when you're a pastor, no, seriously, uh, is that because of lack of fathers in the home and so many people, um, young men and men into their 30s and even into their 40s, oftentimes you don't really need to go so much into the theology of it. You just mm. need to be a dad to them because they never had a dad. And sometimes you just need to be dad. And mm. I found that that's helped a lot of people that had a lot of suicidal thoughts just be there for them, just a masculine. I'm talking about males right. primarily. Right. You know, that they didn't have a masculine dad right. bail like, when they were two. And That's a good point because, like, if you're uh, – males actually in some ways respond to this. Like, 
looking at them and saying, okay, you're having, so don't do it. <laughs> Whatever you don't do it. And looking in the eye and yeah. saying, yeah. Okay. You know, in that, that's not, not necessarily enough. Right. Like, like simply say, don't do it. But like being firm, I'm telling you as a pastor, don't do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there's something to be said for the, how I was taught. I'm a bit older than you are about 10 years older. You what we were taught was you could, you could take your own life. You're taking a hell express. That's just, there's no, no chance. You did, can't repent of that because you're dead. And there's something to be said for not the morbidly suicidal, like this person is here, but for, I mean, especially kids today who, uh, who think it's cool, like they're trying to act out or do something like that. I'm talking more of the teenage group than that. There's something to be said being hard and fast. It's not a good thing to right. And it's old ALC. Right. I know it's changed. Well, I, I would, I, the, thing, the thing is, yeah, because see, with that, that the whole discussion is like, are you talking at someone's funeral? Right. <laughs> of course not. This is beforehand. This is the, almost in catechesis when I was right. taught this stuff. You right. know, and I was ALC before big blow up. Right. You know. Right. And because I, I think that's where the, the, the church has always struggled with how do we handle that side of it? Because um, if, is, if we're honest, we would say, no, it's the lack of faith. And certainly someone, right. and but like if you're sitting with someone, you don't want to necessarily get into that discussion. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Practical. Right. Because I have had someone a long time ago who uh, said um, that they, they didn't commit suicide because they didn't want to go to hell. Yeah, it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but I've had my, people tell that. My sister told me that. My sister, and I'm not, I don't want to talk. She won't hear it. But she had problems, and she would prefer to admit it. But the reason she didn't was because she had been taught by our pastor, Pastor Dewar in ALC Church, that she would go to hell. Right. And that stuck in her mind. So she didn't want to go to hell, so she didn't go right, to suicide. But, but, but she wasn't profoundly medically right. depressed like but that. But that's either. actually, though, but that is that how, has how we should understand all sin. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> the hell expression. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I was going to have an affair with my wife. Well, why didn't you? Hmm, because I would go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> right. And, and, but but see, the thing is, it's an, actually an accurate understanding of impenitence. Yes. Mm, yeah. It's not like, oh, God will forgive me anyways. That's mm. not how faith necessarily no, works. No, that's, that's cheap gracing. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So so you say, well, that, that's really how we should... <laughs> it's true. There were, I mean, these guys, were, they weren't dumb, these ALC pastors. They knew what they were talking about. I mean, they, practically. On the practical aspect of it. Right. But but it's but it, it's, that's a, where it gets into to a lot of strange yeah. discussions because, uh, you know, obviously there are people who have committed suicide in the kingdom of heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you know, you want to guard and protect from open and willful sin is mm-hmm. how I would say that. Right. Well, of course, we would never be able to teach that it wasn't a sin. Right. Uh, no, but we but our discussion was around the best way to talk to somebody. Right. Having that question. Right. All right. Turn gospel. Wrap it up. We're out of time. All right. <laughs> turn gospel. Turn. All right, Vicar. Turn gospel. <laughs> um, That's why uh, we keep our lamps with oil because Christ is coming with great power, and, and He's going to bring His children home. And even as we pray, Thy kingdom come. We pray with a full assurance as though it has already happened because God's word says that God in his through his son has taught us to pray thus because he gives us uh, his good gifts and he gives us his word and his promise so that we can enjoy 
this great kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So, Vicar, if somebody wants to give us a question like that, how do they get a hold of us? The Clerical Errors podcast can be reached by email at feedback at clericalerrors.org, on Facebook at Clerical Errors Podcast, and on Twitter at Clerical Errors P. P for podcast. At me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny. Do you know why you always do that? Because you look at me because... Yeah, you, well, as soon as you start reading it, like, I'm gone. <laughs> it's that uninteresting. <laughs> so yeah. so what did well, you think of your first experience with this? Oh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Have you ever yeah. been on a podcast before? No, I've been on radio uh, talk shows, but not on a podcast, no. All right. Do you have a way people can can see you? you have a Twitter or Facebook or anything? Uh, you uh, anything you want to shout out? Redeemer Wickenburg uh, at Facebook, on the Facebook page. All right. And, and you can wait, see all my Wicken, Wickenburg, Arizona, right? Wickenburg, Arizona. Wickenburg Redeemer in, in Arizona. Yeah, on Facebook. Right on. And you can see my uh, in person making a fool out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Behringer. And this is Vicar. And uh, may you all be wise virgins. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.